We get to look at becoming a member of our church. So if that, you're interested in that, you come talk to me after church. Um, I, we need to make up some books for that, so I need to kind of have a really good head count on who's going to be there. Um, in the last two weeks, we've looked at Colossians 1. And Paul, Paul, at the end of Colossians chapter 1, begins, if you remember, begins to talk to people about this first church, about, about landing on their feet and building on their feet on the foundation of biblical truth and that Jesus is who He says He is. And He encourages them. And He writes these words that are just so beautiful. But we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2 today, and Paul's going to just continue that. And some of you may have been in church a long time, and you may think that some of these worship blank fill-ins this week are like, well, that's kind of kindergarten for church. Sometimes we need to go back to our original basics and relearn and re-see a vision that way we can stay connected with it and we can be going the same way. Sometimes we go on a tangent. I don't know about you, sometimes in, in life I've chosen to do what I want to do. I may be the only one, but I really doubt it. Okay? We have to pull together on the rope with going the same way. If you have your worship handout, this yellow piece of paper, you can open, to the first, open the first page and there's some blanks right here. That first one's going to be on the screen. Check this one out. A church that's connected to go. That's us, okay? A church that's, that's seeking to be moved by God. A church that's connected to go is a church that seeks to build up one another. Now this is awesome. If you read anything, if you are, if you are a sports junkie and you like sports... I had, my dad asked me one time, and, and, and by no means, um, this, was, this was just a stereotypical question because my dad and I talk about crazy things like this. He said, if you could have one job in the entire world and you couldn't pick where you were at, because I, I love this job, okay? And you couldn't pick where you were at, what would you be? I thought about this, uh, seriously. I thought about it for a long time. And I thought, I want to be the chaplain for the St. Louis Cardinals. That would be the greatest job I think I could do besides being here. Okay? But my, then my dad asked a question. He says, why? I said, because any one of those guys that I've listened to that have been interviewed, Carpenter, Bennis, I don't care who it is over there, Matheny, I don't care who you, who you listen to or look at, each one of those guys says something in common. And this is really awesome. They say something in common, and most times, that something in common is, I was around a group of guys that held me accountable and raised me up in the vision that God had for me. This is huge. This is gigantic. This is the main point of our church and of Colossians too. What happens if we don't? See, this is a, I like to play a little devil's advocate with myself. Oh, a church that seeks to build up one another. Well, that sounds fun and dandy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. You know, people are, we are really good starters. We start things really good. And sometimes we don't finish, right? Sometimes we don't get there. We have to continue. What happens if a church doesn't do this? Ugliness can occur. And I say that in the most sincere, loving way possible. But if we do not build up one another, this can turn the church inward. It become, we can become self-focused. Or worse, instead of building people up, we tear people down. Now, I want to get really real with you for a little bit. But some of you work five, six, sometimes seven day, days a week. And you know very well that you go to a job and you leave feeling like you got beat up instead of you got built up. See? This is a complete difference. A church should operate exactly the opposite. People should come in here beat up. Why? Because this is a hospital. This is a clinic for the people that need recharged. 
for the scarred up. Man, that's, man, we are scarred up. You know what's awesome about that? Man, I have a scar right here. And if, you're, if you're really close, you can see that. I have a four-inch piece of steel with four drywall screws through my bone. No, I didn't have a Saturday do-it-yourself project. I actually broke that bone. I had to put metal and they put screws in it. But do you know what I can tell you from this scar? And some of you can tell from your scar. I can tell you about how good God is from this scar. You have scars that are deep. You have scars that have caused extreme damage. Here, here, here. Some of you have seen things that just hurt you today. You, you've heard things. I told God. It's really funny. Don't try to tell God anything. But I tried, okay? I literally told God. I said, God, I will go to the roughest, most out of communication zoned place in Africa. And I will literally hunt those hard to kill animals with my bow or whatever you give me and survive on that meat. As a missionary, just don't let me be a pastor. <laughs> it worked. Okay? Now, I couldn't, I couldn't get away from this. I couldn't get away from this calling. You know what it is. You have, that certain, you have that certain size hole, and until you put it with what God has in it for you, it doesn't fit. I, but I literally, I prayed a prayer. God, I will go to the, the extremes of this earth. Just don't let me be a pastor. Why do I say that? Why do I tell you that? It's because I have scars. Because my dad was a pastor. And I remember going out of churches at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, going, I cannot believe I heard so-and-so say that about my dad. My dad is giving his life to lead a church. There's no way on earth that I'm going to lead a church because people talk bad about the pastor and they don't like him. I have those scars. They talked about it. Listen, if you, they talked bad about you. You've had people talk bad about you. The opposite of building up is tearing down. If you want to look a preview of what's going to happen on, on October 30th, that first step, you're given a covenant if you want to, if you want to join Connection Church. And on one of those lines, in, in, in my, in my uh, reiterating of that line, it says this, I will seek to not be divisive with my actions and my words. Why? Because Satan has a heyday. We seek to, we pull on, we pull on the rope to go one way. We have connect groups. We have, we build up through connect groups. I'm telling you what, my house, my neighbors think that we have some kind of party every Monday night. They think that we have people that just come in crazy. We got a yard full of kids. We have so many kids that we move from our backyard, we go across the street to Summersville Park. We do, we added too much room. You know, we, you cannot fit 10 kids on one trampoline. So we go, over, we go over to the school. And they think, what on earth are you doing? And people, my, our neighbors are a little, really hesitant. We've asked some of them to come. They're like, I don't know about that craziness that goes on on Monday nights. Because I will say, hey, would you want to come over on, on, for a connect group? Do you know what happens? They know exactly when connect group is. They go, oh, Monday at 6.30 at your house? When all those people are there? No, nah, ma'am, no. Nah. But we seek to build up people through connect groups. To build up people through worship. Listen, listen. our worship leader and I work very closely together. And when Jack gave me that song, I, I, that last song, I said, Dude, we need to do this song. Because it is like you're opening up the Bible and saying, here's the, here's the deal. The words to worship songs are doctrinally sound. We build people up in community loving activities. By the way, be ready. There's going to be a bunch of them pretty soon. 
We share in group Bible studies. We're seeing God move in big ways and celebrate recovery. I have a person that I, I have as accountability partner. They came to me and they said, Matt, you will not believe what happened. And if you've ever been a part of any kind of addiction at all, you, this would be a big deal. And I said, what happened? And they said, I have been seven days free of my addiction. And I said, oh, good job. No, I didn't. I said, that's awesome. You know why? Because seven days can turn into 14 days. It can turn into 21 days. It can turn into a month. And a month can turn into a year. And some people in our church are celebrating years. Years. Of sobriety or, or, or just keeping themselves away from that hurt. This is what God is doing. God is on the move, on the move. Hallelujah. A church that's connected to go is a church that seeks to build up people. Look at with me at Colossians 2 verse 1. If you, if you, are, a, if you are an underliner... Or if you, are, if you are a marker in your Bible, there's some really awesome stuff in the first part of chapter 2 in Colossians. Let's look at this first verse. Paul's writing here from the Hilton, also known as jail. Okay, not a Hilton. Not good scenario. And he's writing from, from, from jail, from prison, and he's in custody. And, he, and look at these words. I want you to know how much I have agonized. And if you want to underline a word, underline agonized. Now some of you are going, well, agonizing is not good. This is not bad. Contextually, people that take pieces of words and just pull them out of verses, oh, this is horrible. No, let me show you what this is. This word agonized, translated in other translations, is that Paul has a great conflict. Now the awesome part is this. Agonized and great conflict in this context literally mean ultimately passionate. Now this is awesome, because Paul talks to you and me through this letter. Well, he didn't write the letter to us. How do you know? Watch. He says, I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. How do we know Paul's passionate? Let me ask you this question. When is the last time that you sat down with a notebook, pad, and pen, and you wrote a letter... To some random church that you had never met any of the people. No one? Think about this. Look how passionate he is. Paul had heard about some... He had met, obviously, some of these people. Not all all of them. But he had heard about this church that was blooming. And and he was was passionate about them knowing the truth. Because there was a whole bunch of people that were teaching falsely around them. And he said, no, 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 no. i got to write to these people, even though I don't know them. Now, this is, this is out of character for anybody to write letters to people that you don't know. I've written one letter to a person that I didn't know. I know, you're, you're like, holy cow, really? Seriously, you wrote a letter to somebody you didn't know? I gave it to, I gave it to my wife on our wedding night. I have one from when I was 14, 15, 16, and 17, and 18 years old. She had six letters. When we did True Love Waste at our church, I wrote to my future mate. I didn't know who that was. Because I didn't meet her until I was almost 19. And I had, these, I had these letters, and I said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you look like. But I hope you're pretty. I mean, I wrote that really small. No, I just didn't. <laughs> and I said, in these, I, I showed her, and I, I told her how much I loved her, and I didn't even know her yet. And I, and I told her, and, I, and 
True love waits means that you, that you wait uh, till, you, till you get married to, to have sexual relationships. And I told her that I was doing that. And on my wedding night, I got to give her those letters. Now, I didn't know who that was. Okay? I didn't know who that was. But we are not in a regular rationale to sit down and go, uh, First Baptist Church of, I don't know. Where are you at, Oklahoma? I'm just going to write them. Okay? She's going to write them and say, hey, I love you guys. Listen, Paul does this. Paul is so passionate about the sharing of Jesus that he, he, he has to get this off of his chest. He wants people to grasp the importance of God's Word. This is why he did this. Paul personally knew exactly what spiritual warfare was. When you start talking about, about connecting churches and, and what they do, and we looked at the first blanket, they build each other up. Let me tell you something. Spiritual warfare wants absolutely negative for you to do. It wants to absolutely cut you at the ankles. It doesn't want you to survive. Satan doesn't want you to do anything good. I met with somebody this week, and they said, I'm just having trouble. And I said, I said why are you having trouble? And they said, I just feel like everything's against me. And I looked at them in a very calm voice, and I said, everything is against you except God. Why? Because you've chosen to be a follower of Jesus Christ. See, we, we don't, if I could have a pair of goggles and you could put them on and you could see a spiritual realm of what goes on, and I'm not getting sci-fi here. If you could literally see the battle that is going on for you or your children, there wouldn't be a lost person in this world. Because they don't see it. We can't see it. We don't have those goggles. Okay, but... Paul is saying, I want you to grasp how important this is. When you're a church, you're a church. I have brothers that go to church here and they're not blood related. I have sisters here that are like sisters to me that are not blood relation. This is what Paul is talking about being tight knit. Why be tight knit? Why? He goes on in verse 2 to talk about that. He says, I want them. Notice this. He says them. You know why he said them? He doesn't know their name. (laughs) He doesn't know their name. He says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Many times in the New Testament, you you hear Jesus speak about a three-stranded rope, about people that will join together. He didn't didn't get one disciple. He got twelve. He didn't send them off by themselves. He sent them two by two. Why? Because accountability partners, people that you grow together spiritually with, stay knit together and have strong ties of love. Jesus said a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. Now, I said this the first, in the first service, and some of you are just going to prove me wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for a point. Okay. Some of you guys in here are very, very physically strong. Much stronger than me. So this is, this is my challenge. In a really good field, okay, in a really good cornfield, as soon as they harvest it, Okay? I want you to go up to a corn stalk that's still rooted in the ground. And I want you to place one foot on each side of it. And I want you to reach down and grab it with one hand. I just want you to pull it up out of the ground. Some of you have tried it. <laughs> it's difficult. Now, and I told, I told them, I told, I told the first service. I said, some of you are going to go out to where you pick sweet corn and go, this is no problem. I can do this all day. Listen, when you get a corn, when you get a, a corn stalk that grows correctly and it grows roots down, here's the problem. The roots just don't go down. They go out too. So you're, not, you're pulling up a chunk of ground. You're not pulling up just the corn stalk. The roots are attached. 
This is a big deal. They have to be knit together. I told you earlier, those strong ties of love are, are vitally important. And we even went as far, the lead team went as far to put in this covenant that when you join the church, it says, I will not be divisive. Why? Because divisiveness is a cancer. It, is a, it, will, it will shatter what God wants to build up. You know, it can take years it can take literally years. I've mentored with people for over a year. It can literally take years for God to be, to be instilled in a person when you meet one-on-one. And it takes a matter of seconds to say the wrong thing and make that tower just go straight down flat on the ground again. They'll lose all hope. They will not trust anyone. Stop what they're doing, he's saying. I want them to have, in verse 2, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself. Now, some of you are going, I am 60, 70, 50, 80, 90, 118 years old. And sometimes God's plan for my life, I don't understand it. Some of you are 15, 14, 13. And I say, I say, do you know God's plan for your life? No. Does God's plan for your life change? Yes, it can. You're not going to do the same thing forever. Now, what is Paul saying here? That he wants you to know exactly the plan? No, he's, he's saying this. He says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. That mysterious plan is that he has one for you. Period. You have been created for a job. You have people in your life that God has purposely put you with to share with them the love that Jesus has. And these people, listen, confidence wasn't okay. This is a persecuted people. These people were hunted. They were skinned. They were fed to lions. This is not a good time in history to be alive. They hated the new church. The Romans hated the church. The the Pharisees hated the church. The world hated the church. Why? Because it was different. Why? Because it came for everyone. See, all the attributes are, are what's on the negative side of the world. Jesus came for everybody. The world didn't like it. Okay. Um, well, Jesus says to love everybody. No, nope, we don't love. We only love the people that we want to. He says, "I want you to know this mysterious plan. Not that you will understand everything right now, but that you can be confident that God has a plan for you, and He has a plan for our church." And we're seeing that plan progress and progress and progress. And people are coming and new people are coming. So I talked to somebody, I said, I have no idea where everybody came from. I mean, some of these people just came in, I don't know. We had a couple, a couple visit us a couple weeks ago. And I said, how'd you, how'd you find out about us? And they literally, they were very honest. They said, we just drove by this sign enough times that we thought we'd just give it a shot. And they said, and you know what else they said? Every time we go by your church on Sunday morning, it looks full. People are interested in when things are going on. They're, go- they're interested in when things are going on. Let me, so let me share you with this. We have two girls that are going to, one girl's going to Maryville, one girl's going to Bolivar SBU in, in Missouri. They are by themselves, quote unquote, they're only people from here going there. They are involved in huge ministries at those colleges, which is phenomenal. Anytime you can send a college kid out and they, and they don't do what I did, but they join something like that, that's good. 
Okay? And we also have two connect groups of people from this church, one at SIU at Edwardsville, one at USI in Evansville, and I want to give you a little report on that. First of all, I want to go to a connect group. I cannot wait to go hang out with them. I wanted them to get a couple months under their belt before I come and visit them. But I haven't been out of school that much, but I, 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 something's still the same. You ready? If you have free food, they will come. If you build it, fill the dreams, you build it and they came. If you have free food in college, they will show up. I got a text message on Thursday night. This was their fun night. This is their fun night. We didn't have connect groups last week. They just got together to hang out. They had a movie night. I was very jealous when I got the text message because they were all gone. This was, I got a before picture and it was already after. 150 wings from Buffalo Wild Wing. I was not invited. I felt hurt. They were being divisive. No, they weren't. Okay? So, this is the deal. At SIU and USI, in the last two weeks, they've met four times, twice apiece. You ready? 84 college kids coming in contact with biblical truth about Jesus Christ. You know where a really good place to start a church would be? A college campus. You know what a great place to do a community loving would be? A college campus. They're, they're some of the most attacked kids, youth, young adults in the world. As soon as that person, I asked I ask, I said, well, how many did you have tonight? And they told me, I was like, oh. No, I didn't. I said, you had how many? What are you going to do next week? Do, this is my question. Do you have enough room? Uh, do we need to rent out the rec center? We will do that. Okay? If that's feasible, we can do that. We'll do whatever we need to do. I was just blown away at what God is doing. In verse 3 right here, it says, it says In Him, he's talking about Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Again, Paul is talking about these, about these people that are teaching false doctrine. They weren't new then, and they're not new now. They're still here. They're still here. They're still false teachers. Okay? Look at your worship handout. Look at the next blank. At the second blank. A church that's connected is a church. And I really want you to get this. It's a church that's knit together. Anybody knit in here? Anybody crochet, quilt, something tied together with thread? Anybody? Okay, there's like four or five of us. Okay. Anybody know how to sew? Ooh, I'll keep my hand up. I know some of you are like, oh, Matt knows how to sew. I don't do the machine. The machine looks dangerous to me. Anything that can make a needle do that, I'm out. Yeah, I can do needle and thread. I can, I can repair stuff. What do you do when you knit something together? There's a bone. It's actually a joint. There's a joint in your body. It's used during childbirth on, on females, but it's called, it's called a cartigulous joint. Okay, It's down in your hip sockets. But it, the, literally, you could look at this. And you can look at, by the way, you can look at the human body and relate it to the body of church all over the place. But there's a contiguous joint. That means it's made up of cartilage. I'm not a genius. This is kind of my major in college. There are tendons that are put together just like this. And they allow it to be stretched when a baby's born. It's, it's amazing how our body is made. But you can see how fused and how close they are. Do you know why they're, so, do you know why they're like that? It's so they can help each other. You ever been in a three-legged race by yourself? 
Some of you will get that about one. It's okay, okay? I've never been in a three-legged race by myself. You need other people. Listen, God wants us to be knit together, and He wants us to pray for one another, and He wants us to support one another. Not tell somebody that you're going to pray for them and then forget. Do it then, because that's a sin, if you lie to them. I'll pray for you. I get it. We forget. I get it. I get it. We have to support one another. But these false doctrines, look at, look at, he, he, he just artistically, just, just look at verse 4. This is a look at it. I can't tell it like he did. In verse 4 he says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. I went to a university with a Christian name. We had chapel. It was a churchy atmosphere. There was also non-churchy stuff there. But I couldn't take dual credit like they could now. I couldn't take a biology class in high school and get college credit for it. So as a freshman, I walked into biology. Then I walked into geology. And in a Christian university, I heard well-crafted arguments about evolution of this planet. Well-crafted. And well-crafted enough to get you to shake on some stuff. I asked my geology teacher one time, because I, I, I didn't believe as he did in, in a lot of things, and... He was talking about the earth being such and such a million years old. And I asked him one question. I said, do you believe in God? He goes, yeah. He, decided, he said, I just, think, I just think the world's older than, than, than 6,000 years. I said, okay. I said, what if God created a mature planet? That it looked old, but it wasn't. He goes, what? well... Now, you have to understand how well-crafted this guy was. This guy is one of the only people in the world, in the world... That on Interstate 70, where they blew through some of those rocks in the middle of Missouri, he has, he has a shark's tooth. This is in the middle of the Missouri River, okay? And he said, what does me finding that shark's tooth have to tell you about anything? I said, that the flood's real. <laughs> but, but they were well-crafted, and I don't want to get into an argument about, about age of the planet, because to me, that's shallow water. God is who he says he is. I'm not him. Those are the only two concrete things that I know other than Jesus came for me. But well-crafted. These people are very good. You ever had somebody come up to your, to your door and want to sell you a vacuum? You say, well, I'm not really interested in a vacuum. And 30 minutes later, you have a $1,300 vacuum in your living room? <laughs> They're good. They're good. They're good. You go to a restaurant, you order a number. Would you like an apple pie with that? In fact, I would. Your bill goes up, they get more money, you get more calories, and you have to run farther. That's what you get. A well-crafted argument, people, people can suggest things very slightly. I'm going to tell you the number one best crafty of argument persons is Satan. He did it to Eve. Did God not say you couldn't eat of that fruit? That doesn't even make sense to me when I say it. Did God not say that you couldn't? There's like triple negatives in this thing. It's like double negative is okay. And then it causes another negative. So that means it's negative. Did God not say that you couldn't do that? What? Confusing is well-crafted. Well-crafted. And then I went to seminary. <laughs> now, well-crafted argument that Paul's talking about is something that goes against the Bible. Against what God wants you to do. In seminary, they shook my belief of the Bible at its foundation. Why? Because it's much like a, 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 marine, a marine or, or, or army boot camp. They have to get you a little unsettled to where they can concrete. Now, 
Not one time did they ever go against this. But they taught me things about this that I was like, I don't know about that. There's some things that I still don't know. There's some things my doctors, my professors couldn't answer. But they did it to challenge me. They were building me up so I could withstand fiery darts. They gave me an ammo belt of scripture. I'll never forget one of these guys. He said, he said one of my professors took enough time. He had, 30, he had 30 of us guys in his class. And he called each and, every, each and every single one of us over an eight-week period. And he had an hour conversation with every single one of us. This is just a guy that understands building up and mentoring and things like that. And he asked me, he said, man, I just want you to start at the beginning. I want you to tell me your entire life story of how God's moving your life. An hour is not enough time for Matt Griswold's shortcomings. But I told him, very emotional. Number one, I had never heard of it. This guy doesn't even know me. This is what Paul's doing here. He didn't even know me, yet he cared that much for me. We got done with that, and he said, isn't it amazing of what God can do? Shocker, I've heard this from my mentor for a long time. And he said, shocking, isn't it, that God can do what he does when he has to work with people like me and you? <laughs> Shocker, the, the work that God can do through broken people like us, isn't it? Isn't it amazing to you? I said, yeah, and he said, let me pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. I had never met the guy. When I walked across the stage at graduation, I walked and got my diploma. I came down, and at the reception afterwards, I got to walk up. And I said, you're, you're him, aren't you? I called him by name. He said, yeah. This wasn't sufficient for him. He hugged me. He said, I'm so proud of you. See, he, he, understood, he understood what building up is. Okay? He goes on and says, For I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith is in Christ is strong. If you, want, if you want an ultimate compliment, have somebody write verse 5 about you without you telling them to write it about you. Paul had literally heard of a church that was doing things, that God was doing things with. He had just heard about them and he said, I want in and I want to be a part of that. Why? Because he sought the worship handout. Look at the next blank. Look at this. Paul sought this. A church that's connected to God contains people that seek to put into other people's lives. We have a, we have a mentoring discipleship program in our church. We meet. We discuss a, we discuss a scripture. We go... Excuse me. We go over a book. We talk about our week. Sometimes we don't get into, into the book. You know why? Because our weeks have been too big. <laughs> you ever had a week that's too big? And some of you are like, I'm retired. I have weeks that I'm too big all the time. We seek to put into people. We get to share from one another and say, this is what God did. I, I literally was in a conversation this week with a, with a guy and he asked me a question. I said, I have no idea. Because that's what you're supposed to say when you really don't know the answer. I don't know. And we, we have to fight that humble card, okay? I have no idea. But I know a guy. <laughs> Let me call him and ask him. Let me send him an email. Let me read it in a book. Let me look at God's word and find out. We put in, not take from. Look at verse 6. He's talking to younger Christians here. He says, now just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. There is not an option here. He does not say follow him if you want to. He said, this is the deal. 
This is what you do. This is direction number two. Number one, you accept him. Number two, you follow him. This is in a time of, of, of biblical time where people were fed to lions that believed in God. They were stoned. They were beaten. Paul himself was beaten up and he was just sitting in this house. Man, we must continue. When should we follow him? See, I've asked this question before. God, how long do you want me to follow you? Next week? Next Thursday at five? We're good? Till I'm 41. How about, uh, how about 47? That'll give me a good, solid, even number of 40 years. And then I can do whatever I want. Yeah, we, we can laugh about this, but we do this. God, I don't want to follow you today. I'll follow you tomorrow, but not right now today. God, I'll follow you next week, but just not right now because I have a whole bunch of things going on. Do you not think that God knows what is going on in your life? And instead of looking at him, you say, just a second, I'll follow you later. And he said, if you follow me now, you don't have that stuff. Or if you have that stuff, you have something to lean on. But we want to do it ourselves. Jesus says this. He looks at his disciples square in the face. And he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Forever. There's no time stamp. Until you die or Jesus comes back for us. Oh, what a day that would be, by the way. Till you die or Jesus comes back for us. It, that's it. In verse 7, your roots will grow down. If you're, if you're a writer in your Bible, let your roots grow down into Him. If, you, if, if anybody's ever tried to pull that corn stalk up, and maybe you're successful, okay? But I'm telling you, it did not come without some effort. A mature corn plant grows down deep, but what it does, it goes out. So you're trying to pull up that whole mass. When you root yourself in God's Word, it's very hard to budge you. And... So you have, you, have these, you have deep roots and then you let, you let your lives be built on Him. That's what the firm foundation is. He talks about the building a church on the rock. Building on something solid and not the sand that the waves can hit. He says, let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. That's like, man, this is like having, if you're the corn stalk. And they've har- they already harvested some of your stuff. But you still have a root system that goes down. That's like... You're, you have a great root system, and then God like makes this trench around, and it goes like way deep, and then He puts like concrete around it. You really can't be shaken. The guy comes up to me, he goes, "Matt, you're going to lose your job." Okay, I, I know this, and it, it was coming. Are you freaked out? Not really. Why not? He said, "I, I wouldn't be able to sleep." Now, I'm not telling you I don't worry. I broke Proverbs three, five, and six. I did. I, I worried myself. But I asked, I said, God, you're in control. I told that guy, I said, God has never let me down. We're not talking about going to Vegas and pulling the handle on a slot machine. God has never let me down. Ever. He hasn't answered prayers the way I wanted them to be answered before. But because that was, that was my thinking, not God's. And he goes on. He says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I got a call. I called. I I sent text messages to those college kids and we just had a blast just enjoying what God is doing. There's many people here that I send text messages with. I I email. I see you. I comment on Facebook. What God is doing. There is nothing that's going on at Connection that is the result of a human doing it. We've been faithful to follow, to do what God wants, but it's God. 
It's not a band. It's not a pastor. It's not a drummer or a guitar player or a piano player. It's God. That is who we lean on. That's who will make us strong. And a church that's connected to go, the very last blank, a church that's connected to go does this. This is a very old term. Seeks to spread the gospel. What's the gospel? Butter? Spread it somewhere? No. No. It's to share with people what God has done in your life so that they may have that relationship with God also. Sharing the gospel does not always mean you're driving the combine either. Sharing the combine does not always mean that you get to see a harvest. Spreading the gospel sometimes means getting on your hands and knees in the mud and putting a seed in the ground. Then it means coming back and and you, you, you hoe out the weeds. Or you pull out the weeds. And then it, sometimes it means that's a tender young plant and, you, and you, you prep and fluff that dirt so it can continue to grow. Then sometimes, on, on a cool occasion, you get to be in the, in the combine. And you get to come over that plant and you get to see the harvest of somebody following Jesus Christ with your life. I've got to see that before. Maybe you have too. It's one of the most amazing experiences in my life. And guess where it happened? You ready? Some of the most amazing experiences in my life in the past two years have happened in Hardee's. The biscuits aren't that good. But God is. No, they are good. I like them. But God, God is good. I got to pray with two men. Two grown men. Two grown men. And they came to me and said, something is missing in my life. And I got to share with them what God had done for them. And they gave their lives to Christ sitting in a booth in Hardee's. Hardee's. Really? You ever have a group of friends when you're younger? Hey, let's go to Dairy Queen and share the gospel. Hey, let's go to Subway. Look, God is moving in Hardee's. I'm being for real. I get to talk with people all the time. I talk with, I'm a member, I'm a, mem, I'm a 36-year-old member of the coffee club. This is a big deal. I have my name on my coffee cup. It's a big deal. But there are often times that I get to share with these older gentlemen that have lived more life than me, but they have no idea spiritually where they are, and I get to speak to them. And I get to put into them. One of these days, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, one of these days somebody's going to be sitting there, they're going to ask a question that really matters. Really, really matters. And I'm going to share Jesus with them right there. Heaven forbid, we'll just go to a different table and pray. We'll pray right there. Sharing the gospel means this. And maybe somebody needs to hear this this morning. Very simple. God loves you, period. When no one else does, He does. When no one else can, puts up, put, can, can or wants to put up with you, God loves you. But because of yourself, you have a sin problem. You've chosen evil. You've chosen bad. Your sin has separated you from God. So to pay for that price, God sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. And what the world meant for death, God saw a victory. And in three days later, He raised His Son from the dead. And He says, and the Bible says, if you believe in that, that God came for every person, that He rose from the grave, you want to follow Him, He says, just ask me. Ask me for that gift. I'll give it to you. It's a turning over of ourself. God, I want to follow you. Jesus paid the price for everything you've ever done, everything you will do. And He desires to have a relationship with you. We baptize people as a public example of what has happened inside. It's a change. 
of turning their lives over to Jesus Christ. God, I'm not worth it, but somehow you saw that I was. Somehow you loved me this much that you sent your son. I believe you, God. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe that you want me to follow you and I accept your gift of salvation so that I can inherit. We get to inherit heaven. (laughs) We deserve hell. But we get heaven. If that's something that interests you this morning, if you think, man, I don't even know about that. I don't understand that. I want you to come. I have plenty of time. I have all kinds of time. You come and talk to me. We'll go somewhere in church. I can explain this to you about what it means to become a follower of Jesus. I hope, I hope that God has spoken to you this morning. We don't just go through books of the Bible just to say, oh, we went through another one. This is an awesome, vision-packed book. Colossians is amazing. But sometimes you may get buttered up before he says something sharp. So just keep your eyes open at how challenging it can be. Also, one more announcement on the, on the Youth Connect group. Our youth group, we love you guys, by the way. We love these youth. Um, and we're going to make it easier on mom and dad. What we're going to do is at 12.30, as soon as everybody's out of here at church, they're going to meet at youth group from 12.30 to 2. And we're going to serve lunch. Not for adults, for the kids. All right? But we, if you have anybody interested in that, uh, 6th grade to high school, we'd love to have you. Uh, Colton and Christina do a good job. They are doing a good job um, with our youth. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that I made that announcement. I forgot it earlier, but... We love you. I hope you understand that when you walk through the doors, you're not just walking through the doors of a club. This is not a club. This is a family. And this is a family that has people that are doing pretty good and some that are doing not good. (laughs) But it's a family that is knit together, that loves each other, and wants to support each other. So this week, your, your homework is I want you to encourage someone. I want you to, I want you to encourage them. I want you to just find out something that God is doing in their life and say, I just love this about you. I love to watch you do X, Y, Z. I talk talk to people all the time. I say, I love to watch you worship. Wow, I just stand there. No, you don't. Well, I don't raise my hand. I don't, but you're praying during worship, aren't you? Yeah, I can see that. I can see the intensity that you want people to grab a hold of God like you have a hold of Him. And that person got really emotional and said, "That's that's exactly what I want. I want people to fall in love with a God that has taken me through so much. That is awesome. That is a church that's connected to go. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the scripture. God, we thank you for the song. We thank you for the words that the cross is our victory. And what the world meant for death, you saw as our victory. And God, three days later, you raised him from the dead that we may have hope forever. God, thank you for our church. Thank you for our people and our leaders. We love you, God. Be with everybody as they go eat lunch. God, or they watch football or whatever they do this afternoon. Let us just rejoice in the fact that we love you and you love us. Make us desire, God, to be knit together, to be purposeful with our actions. And may you guard our tongues with what we say. In your name we pray. Amen. I can see the promised land. 
Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry When my fears like Jericho Build the walls around my soul Come for this.